Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study. Today is Sunday, April 28, 2019. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Wilsonville, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, April 26, 2019 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting share ID number is 12830-12830. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting, the share ID number is 12831-12831. This morning, A Vision for, for You presents Discovery and Recovery through the AA 12 and 12. Here at A Vision for You, you all know that we crack open the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous every day of the week, unpacking each paragraph to pull out the directions for recovering from this disease of compulsive overeating. So the process, putting the food down to set the stage so that the 12 steps can treat the obsession of the mind and the twisted thinking, which will arrest the deadly disease, is remarkably outlined in this beloved book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, today, we're going to feast upon the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first publication was in April 1953 and was written by Bill W. with the benefit of hindsight and experience to offer an explicit view of the principles by which AA members recover and by which their fellowship functions. The great thing about the 12 steps and 12 traditions is the profit of having 15 years of day-to-day spiritual experience alive and in motion over a stretch of time. Wisdom born of experience and a vastly growing fellowship proved this out. What was it like over the years to look back and see just what power has done and in what circumstances did the recovered see transformation and reconciliation and renewal over this period of time? Well, Bill W. beautifully outlines these things and offers tremendous insight and personal accounts of what what made the grade and deepened the spiritual aspect of recovery. For the purpose of recovery, it shows a maturing fellowship and more personal application to wonderfully complement the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, with this bit of background story in mind, how has our guest speaker utilized this companion to the Big Book? Today, we will hear about exploring recovery through the discovery and recovery of the 12 and 12. Let's listen to how this has enhanced and strengthened her recovery for her. Here this morning to share the personal side of this and her story of transformation is Rachel W., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Rachel to the line. Good morning, Rachel. So pleased that you're here. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service and for that fantastic introduction that really sums up so much of a lot of what I was speaking about today. So thank you so much um, for your service and, of course, to Leah and everyone that's on the line today. And, um, you know, I just want to take a moment to uh, ground myself a little bit, (laughs) just take a deep breath if we could all kind of find ourselves wherever we are um, right now. And if you do have a copy of the AA 12 and 12, whether it's the wonderful paper version or, or you have an app, I would encourage you to take it out. Um, you may want to take some notes on your own, um, but I'll be highlighting some parts in that book. Um, also, I will be using, I hope my app will work okay, my uh, 12-step companion app, which has um, the prayers for each step, if you want to say those along as well. So, um, I'm just really grateful to be here. My name is Rachel W. My 
current abstinent date, um, which I do think is important to, to mention, obviously, is November 20th of 2014. Uh, before that, I had had a seven-year abstinence from July 7th, 2006, uh, when I had lost 100 pounds, and that abstinent last, absence lasted until January of 2013, when um, I thought I was practicing step 12. <laughs> um, I, I was doing meetings and everything. I was pretty much what I thought was a OA perfect guru, um, which was probably probably part of the problem, right? Um, but um, I know that at the time, uh, my life had collided into a perfect storm of events, and they were just far too much. My the arrogance, and I say that with compassion, because I realized that um, I just really didn't understand the depth of this process at the time. And um, I remember uh, during that, that um, the time that I was not absent in 2012, 2013, a little bit before that, I had heard of the coffee shop in the earlier days of uh, Vision for You. And then, and then, um, and then when I came on and, uh, you know, I was still listening, I was like in 2014. Um, and I used to listen to this meeting with donut crumbs on my chin and, um, and just hear all of you and say, wow, you really have something here. And I just reached for another donut. And um, I, I wasn't sure what was going to become of me. I felt like an OA failure. Um, I felt like, gosh, I just cannot get this. You know, I just can't get it right. And um, and sure enough, you know, over time, I, I get, you know, the surrender and the willingness and listening to all of you who uh, who've walked this before me, um, helped me so much. And that's going to be a big theme of today, by the way. But since uh, November of 2014. I've not ingested my red light foods and each meal is committed to a sponsor and I do weigh and measure most foods. And um, I came into OA in 1999, 20 years ago. And since then, I've had at least a handful of sponsors and multiple food plans. And I, I just want to take a pause for a moment to acknowledge that I've heard it said um, by more than one professional that food addiction is the most challenging one. And I'm, I'm going to take a leap and just say that because um, I don't want to negate in any way um, or diminish anyone else's addiction to something else. But it's just that food addiction is so different because the abstinence in other addictions, I believe, is kind of clear-cut, or it seems to me to be clear-cut. And again, I'm just saying this is my opinion, that it is the, seems to be the most challenging one. But um, with food addiction, you know, I, I could have as many plans of abstinence um, I could have in one room as as many people are in one room. Um, I personally have had multiple abstinences over the years. And I, and I find that as I become a middle-aged woman in this program, I need to uh, revisit my abstinence um, almost every year. I mean, it's, I, I found myself, you know, uh, lately, especially, um, and anyone else that, that's become a middle-aged woman in this program that um, is facing challenges like that, like just the need to sort of continually be tweaking um, a food plan, not too often, but um, I guess you reach a point where it's necessary medically, um, you know, it just it just shows that the abstinence is um, something that's a little more challenging. And to me, it just means that um, I need to really focus on keeping this program uh, spiritual and honest at the same time. To keep my food addiction in the light, I have traveled miles of journeys through the 12 steps. And still, I feel like today I have just arrived here. And each day does feel like a brand new start. And it's not about... I've heard this expression before that's not about whether I've gone through the steps, um, but rather whether they've gone through me. And that is a lifelong process. Um, and when I was asked to present here, I immediately knew 
but it was an opportunity to further explore the steps that I love so much and also to delve into pretty much my favorite book. I mean, I do have the AA 12 and 12 with me at most times. Um, in 1999, we had meetings and books and we had a phone with a cord so long that it would strangle relatives if we weren't careful. Remember those if we, when we were walking and Today, I feel like recovery is just more accessible than ever. Um, but the truth is that my willingness is, is, uh, is really what changed, you know, and I think that even if I had lived back then, um, or if, and if I had all the recovery we have today, I, I'm not sure I'd be ready, you know, for that, you know what I mean? But the world is a different place. Um, it is more accessible than ever. And that's why I did mention that 12-step companion app. Um, but for me, you know, there's nothing like touching paper, I'm going to just can you hear my 12 and 12 doesn't that sound great <laughs> this is called paper um and uh you know just as pages turning and the ability to highlight or write notes on it is really what i want you know what i really treasure and also obviously that the constant that never ever changed is is a higher power that guided us all to be on this meeting today which is such a miracle um and it 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 just it just graces us with a profound experience of, of transformation through these steps. And for me, there's just so many multiple stories. Um, I did do a previous share. I apologize. I forgot the date. I think it was in 2015, early 2015, maybe, um, where I did mention my fully, more fully my story. But the classic story I always think about when I think about the pretty much the darkest moments in my binging was um, eating uh, Costco chocolate chip cookies in the dark and watching videos like that, that was my idea of just, just like, you know, leave me alone in the world. That's where I really wanted to be. And I was so generous. I'd buy one of those big packages, one for me and one for my family. And, um, I just, I see that today and I just see the, the, um, the pain I was in, like, you know, the, 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 the whole, the unmanageability of like, you know, we're going to read about, but the fact that I was holding these chocolate chip cookies in one hand and telling people, Oh, I have a big problem in the other, you know, on the other hand. Um, but, you know, but here we are today on the line, and I, I just consider that to be such a big miracle. And all of you, each one of you that's here today, you know, is a warrior in recovery, whether, whether you've had the food down since breakfast or whether you've had it down for, you know, 10 years. I mean, you are all my heroes, and we are all doing this together. Uh, my, I, my good friend who knows who she is, she says shoulder to shoulder all the time, and I love that. <laughs> I'm shoulder to shoulder with you, and um, and uh, that's the, that's that's what makes me through. That's how it could be here today. So as Melanie mentioned, the big well, the big book was published in April, also in 1939. And as Melanie mentioned, uh, the 12 and 12 was pub uh, published in April of 1953. And it's April 28th, so we just squeezed in today. <laughs> so great things are happening in April, and this could be one of them. So, you know, I, I often consider what it takes to persevere in these rooms, and I've seen a lot of people come and go. And perhaps the one thing that keeps me here is knowing that it is a personal process and it's not about the mistakes I make, but rather who I am afterwards and the decisions I make afterwards. Um, this is such a personal process. No one ever told me you must have a spiritual awakening, right? And I can't, I can't tell anyone that either. Um, I can't give it to anyone or control it, but I can tell you what was told to me. And that is, and also I could tell you my experience that happened that based on the big book and the 12 and 12, you know, the, based on these steps, um, you know, the, to take, um, we take certain actions, we pick up tools, suggestions, 
all these um, will help you put the food down and transform you in ways that you never thought was possible. Um, every single one of us evolves in this process and we're given new opportunities every day. My, I love it. My, I have a sponsor that used to tell me when I told her like the unmanageability and the unfairness of my life, she said, well, that's an opportunity to work the stuff. <laughs> and um, not that she wasn't compassionate, but it was just like, oh, there's an opportunity again. Um, so she got, she, she gave me that word, you know, we've got every day an opportunity to apply these steps among our life situations. Um, and it's not like, you know, I feel like, oh, well, this is such, such a nice little thing to do. I, I know that I must do this or I will die. I must do this or I will experience a death, an emotional death, physically, definitely overeating and, and the foods that are not good for me are going to kill me. Um, so this is a desperate mission on the one hand, but on the other hand, as we're soon going to learn, it's also a mission that brings joy and love into my life. So to the newcomers, I'm honored that you're here and I'm awed to stand among you as you embark on this journey that will change your life forever. I, I remember what it took to come in here and, um, I just, I am so appreciative that you're here and to all you old timers on your rocking chairs on the front porch, I know your secret. I know that if I stay in these rooms like you did, I stand a chance to truly recover from food addiction and other codependencies. And if I remain teachable like you are, then my recovery will stay green and I will be available for service to others because I know that your service is what helps you persevere. So again, as Melanie was mentioning, um, Bill wrote the big book when he had experienced that pink cloud of sobriety. Um, he knew other people could not attend meetings um, and uh, he wanted to get away, have a way to get it, the word out there. So he wrote the big book and then, um, and then later on, you know, and then, you know, he had his own process. That's what's so cool about the AA 12 and 12. This is one thing that's really cool to me. I love history. I love everything about it. I love the learning. And um, he did have a process. There's plenty of books that will tell you about his process, but we do see a lot of it here in the 12 and 12 because, um, and this was written during a time where he was suffering depression. He was disillusioned and suffering depression. And but he wrote the 12 and 12 because he saw a need for structure and he saw a need for bylaws. So let's let's um, you know get the get start digging into the 12 and 12 uh, now. If you can go to step one, and I'm going to go through each step, and hopefully this will not you know be too involved or whatever. But I just want to highlight again the things that really talked to me regarding each step in this book. I do encourage each of you, if you don't have it in your literature already, to, to you know, pick it up and make it a part of your life if you'd like. Um, but I'm just giving you, this is, you know, obviously 12 and 12 according to Rachel W. It's, it's uh, my own experience with it. So the first word, step one, we admitted we were powerless. Oh, and also, let's all consider for a moment, um, I'm about to take you on a journey through the 12 steps. So anyone that's never done the steps before, this might be really interesting to you, you know, to experience this as well. And, um, and again, this is my own opinion of, of the book, you know, and everyone's welcome to have their own opinion, right? So step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. The first two words are, who cares? And then we put down the book and we forget about it. No, we don't. We keep reading. That's a big lesson. Who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. The first thing Bill W. is telling us is most people do not want to do this. What, what, what we're doing in terms of putting down our food 
or even the idea of the of, of maybe maybe thinking perhaps you know me with the donut crumbs on my chin or me on you know November 18th of 2014 sitting in a parking lot with a two pound Reese's bar going I think I might need you know, like a psychiatrist or something, because I, I cannot do this. And then two days later, weighing and measuring my food, which was incredible. But yeah, I who, who wants to do this work? Very few people do. So we can acknowledge that we are in a place, we have entered the arena, we are in a process. That's number one. And then later on, we learned that this idea of admitting this defeat is, is so crucial that the more we have it, the more admission that we make, the better our recovery, the more it's going to launch us into a better process for the 12 steps. So can I truly admit, and again, this is a huge undertaking, can I admit that I have a problem sitting there with my Costco cookies when it just feels so good? It just, it just relieves, I mean, yeah, I have a problem, it's not good for me, but really it's, it's just alleviating all my suffering and it's not hurting anybody, right? That's what I always thought. Like, well, how is my eating hurting anybody except for the fact that we have higher medical bills and I need orthotics for my shoes and, and all these things, but how is it, and our grocery budget's like triple, right? But how is it hurting anybody? Um, so the first thing I need to do is say, this is, I, I am defeated. And at the bottom of page 21, until he so humbles himself as sobriety, if any, will be precarious. You got the words firm bedrock as well. We, do we want to build ourselves on a firm bedrock? Yes. And when I say we and ourselves, I hope that I'm including people that relate to the, what the we and ourselves mean. Because sometimes I listen to people and then when they say we, and it doesn't relate to me at all, I get a little annoyed. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm going to try to stick with I, but I might say we because there possibly could be some people who relate to this. And he's using the word we. So, you know, we shall find, at the top of page 22, we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat. So later on, then further down, we find a little secret here, right? Um, next paragraph for the dentist says, it was a statistical fact that alcoholics almost never recovered on their own resources. I don't know why the word almost is in there. I'd love to ask Bill why he put it in there. But the idea is we've got two things going on here in step one. One is, first is the complete defeat. I am defeated. And then we realize, we learn here that, that, um, that we cannot do this alone, right? I'm defeated and I, I'm using my own resources. Like I cannot, I, this is not working. That's one thing. The second thing on page 23 um, tells us towards the bottom, it was discovered that when one alcoholic had planted in the mind of another, the true nature of his malady, that person could never be the same again. Look at this beautiful thing. Look at this gorgeous thing. Who is this alcoholic that planted in the mind of another? That's somebody that's been through the steps. So it comes full circle, right? So why is it that we're even able to take step one? You know why I could never, I could never take step one with my, my, um, uh, my doctor who was, when I was expecting and he was telling me um, I had, this was my last pregnancy and, and I gave birth in um, 2014. And, and he told me that um, I had gestational diabetes. I should take a, in, a needle and put it into my thigh, put insulin there, right? And what did I do on the way home? I, I did go and buy some stuff from the bakery, right? But this is just what I did. I, I'm just, please don't tell my son, but that's exactly what I did. And, and because you know what? He had never been there, but he was overweight. I mean, he, he well, I shouldn't say that. He, he, was, he looked like someone that could maybe use this program. But like, the, I want to leave that alone for a minute. But the point is that like, you know, who was he? He wasn't someone who, he's just telling me I needed to do this for medical purposes. Other people, were, I knew I needed to do it just to be looking better. I knew all these things. 
But until another person who had been there before could look me square in the eye and tell me how in the hell they got out of this hole, I wasn't going to listen to anybody. So step one is two things. It's about, it's about knowing that I can't do this. I cannot stop eating on my own. I cannot, even today as an abstinent person, if I decide to pick up, you know, another reason, I know that I will never come out of that hole because, because I'll be on my own resources. It'll never happen. So the first thing I know, have to know is I cannot do this alone. The second thing I realize in step one is that somebody else is there. There's someone else there. I can actually take this step because someone is looking me in the eye and telling me how they got out of it. Now, understand, as I hop along jollily through this book, I'm skipping over words that are treasure trove. I just, I'm walking through a treasure chest of words. I'm taking you to the end of step one because I do feel like it's important to read the last um, paragraph of each step. Um, um, for, I want to just read page 24. The practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking. Again, we're getting a little bit of encouragement here. No alcoholic wants to do these things, but we're here doing them. And, um, on, and also, um, here we go. Okay, under the la- under, on last paragraph, under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA, and there we discover the fatal nature of our situation. Then and only then do we become as open-minded to conviction as willing and, and as willing to listen as a dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. And if we open our app at this point in step one, it's taken from the big book, chapter three, page, um, well, you'll see it, uh, pages 10 through 10 through 12 and 46 and chapter three, the words, this is what they say is the, is the prayer um, for step one is um, it could be God, creative intelligence, universal mind, spirit of nature, spirit of the universe. My name is Rachel. In other words, pray to whatever you want to pray to, but I'm in a hole, right? <laughs> I am a real alcoholic, and I need your help today. I mean, how many times have I said that at step one? Like, how many times I like, God, I just need your help with this, and, and I didn't, I, I, he wasn't there, he wasn't there. And all of a sudden, I've got a human, a human form, right, with God speaking to me through human form because I've reached out that many times, and, and this person's telling me, well, here, you, here, here we go. Like, you know, buckle in cause, for the ride because this is what it's about. We come to step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. At this point, now again, uh, again with what Melanie said in the introduction, which was really fantastic, every word of it, um, she's saying what's happening here in the 12 and 12, Bill's drawing on 15 years of experience. So he's giving us a cross-section of the way people believe, right? What happens when I come to you or when someone comes to me and tells me to believe in something else. So here's their reaction. We've heard them crowd on page 25. Look what you've done to us. Look what you people have done to us. You've convinced us that we are alcoholics and our lives are unmanageable. Having reduced us to a state of absolute helplessness, you now declare that none but a higher power can remove our obsession. Some of us won't believe in God and others can't. And so others who do believe that God exists have no faith whatever he will perform this miracle. Yes, you've got us over the barrel, all right, but where do we go from here? So at this point, you know, hopefully people have put their, you know, put their food down, but hey, whoa, 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 wait a second. Where's the, what do we do now? I want to tell you, and I know I'll be admitting this. I mean, Melanie, when she said the words, this recording is on 
the website for posterity, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but if this could help someone one day, that's fine. And I will just say to you this, that when I had to put in July 7th of 2006 or a few months before that, when I was trying so desperately for, you know, six months to put down the food, I remember crying to my sponsor. It was my oxygen. And that's how, you know, that's how I knew it was a problem. And that's my barometer. And it's a good one for anybody who wants to take it to pick it up. Maybe you're using it already is however hard something is to give up is exactly the thing that I need to probably give up. Right. And it's true in my relationships with everything. We'll get to it in step 10 soon. But the point is that anytime there's a trigger that I get angry or I don't want to give that up, or I'm telling you why I will manipulate in so many ways. And that energy of it tells me that's probably not a good thing for me to do. So, so, um, so I get this part, you know, where they're just desperate now Anybody that just celebrated Passover and had the four sons, like the way that they lay out these people reminded me of that. We got the belligerent one, right? That's the first on page 25. He's savage. And he says it's bad enough, he thinks, to admit alcohol has him down for keeps. But now, still smarting from that admission, he's faced with something really impossible because he really is just not believing in anything. So how could I believe that something's going to save me, right? And look at the top of page 26. The AA sponsor usually laughs. You're going to find this book. There's just so much lightness. There's a joy to this process. There's a love to this process. He's not laughing at him. He's laughing with him. Like, oh yeah, I know where you've been, you know. And um, and um, and and right when he thinks it's the last straw, it's the beginning of the. I'm on page 26. The beginning of the end of his little life and the beginning of his emergency into a new one. And the sponsor says, "Take it easy. Take it easy." The hoop you have to jump through is a lot wider than you think. At least I found it so. And so did a friend of mine who was a one-time vice president of the American Atheist Society, but he got room, he got through with room to spare. So, um, so later on, you know, um, he also says, first, Alcoholics Anonymous does not demand, this is later on page 26, it does not demand you believe in anything. All of its 12 steps are but suggestions. Second, to get sober and to stay sober, you don't have to swallow all of step two right now. Looking back, I found I took a peace feel myself. Third of all, third, all you really need is a truly open mind. Just resign from the debating society and quit bothering yourself with such deep questions as, whether, as to whether it was the hen or the egg that came first. And again, all I say, again, I say all you need is the open mind. And on page 27, what do we have? That golden, golden human experience of change. And he says, it wasn't AA, I'm on the first paragraph, step two, it wasn't AA that had the closed mind, it was me. Now, I have to tell you that, again, later on in step 12, we're going to learn how we live in these steps daily. I want to tell you that I find myself in each one of these people. There are plenty of times in recovery where I find myself having a really closed mind. I see places where I clearly let God in no problem. And there's other places that it's like, nope, haven't let him in here yet. You know why? Because he clearly cannot take care of this because I know how it should be. And, you know, God like, you know, needs help with this thing. So I need to like keep him out of it because I know better than this. And there's, there's definitely times I can be like this. Um, and, um, and knowing that, you know, reading it here, I just really relate to it. And then later on, it says AAs tread innumerable paths of, of, in their quest for faith. Um, and, and then he, he, he encourages them. Um, let me see, I'm going down. Um, okay. Page 27. All of them will tell you that once across their faith broadened and deepened. Um, and then, 
um, relieved of the obsession of alcohol obsession, their lives unaccountably transformed. They came to believe in a higher power, and most of them began to talk of God. This is why people change. This is why I can transform this, because you're telling me that other people have done this before. The next person, um, consider the next as one who had, uh, consider the next, consider next the plight of those who once had faith, but lost it. There will be those who have drifted into indifference, those filled with self-sufficiency, who have cut themselves off, those who have become prejudiced against religion, and those who are downright defiant because God has failed to fulfill their demands. That's who, that's who I can be in, in certain times. And I just have to watch myself and check myself when I get like that because I know I'm pretty much behaving like someone here in step two. Um, Sometimes AA comes harder to those who have lost or rejected faith and to those who never had any faith at all, for they think they've tried it, tried faith and found it wanting. Um, he tells us roadblocks here on page 28, um, indifference, self-sufficiency, prejudice, defiance. These are more solid and formidable for these people than any erected by the unconvinced agnostic or militant atheist. Um, so um, so there is profound confusion. He's bewildered. Um, and, and later on the bottom of page 28, it says the overconfidence of youth was too much for us. Of course, we were glad that good home and religious training had given us certain values. Um, we were still sure that we ought to be fairly honest, tolerant, and just, but it just thought we, um, and just that we thought we ought to be ambitious and hardworking. We became convinced that such simple rules of fair play and decency would be enough. Here we, um, on page 29 and then towards the middle, finally, when all our scorecards read zero, and we saw that one more strike would put us out of the game forever. We had to look for our lost faith. And it was an AA that we rediscovered it, and so can you. So those are people who come into AA, come into OA, they, they do this process, and they end up finding the faith of their own, own religion. Um, another type is the intellectually self-sufficient man or woman. It just, it just, you know, they love to be precocious. They love to have knowledge. They're brighter than most folks. Um, so the spoils of victory be, will be ours for the thinking. And on page top of page 30, we saw we had to reconsider or die. Um, we found many in AA who once thought as we did, and they helped us to get down to our right size. And by their example, they showed us that humility and intellect could be compatible, provided that we placed humil humility first. When we began to do that, we received the gift of faith, of faith which works, and this faith is, is for you too. Um, another crowd um, is were just people who were just disgusted with the whole religious thing and, and the morality of religiousness. Um, and the whole idea here is that they substituted negative thinking for positive thinking. And um, in belaboring the sins of other people, we felt superior to all of them. I'm just paraphrasing from the bottom of page 30. Um, Self-righteousness, the very thing that we had contemptuously condemned in others, was our own besetting evil because we were judging all these religious people, saying that they were, they were wrong because of how they were acting. This phony form of respectability was our undoing. Um, and then on top of, top of page 31, as psychiatrists have often, often observed, defiance is the outstanding characteristic of many an alcoholic. Now, I know that in the big book, we, we learned that resentment is the number one offender. And it's, it's just all tied in there, right? Because I find that my arrogance gets me into trouble so often. And I, I kind of wonder, like, where it all, I know it starts with fear, but there's, there's Fear and there's um, arrogance, and I think the arrogance, is, you know, takes then, then follows with the resentment. Um, so um, anyway, so then we further go on on page 31. Um, 
Um, at no time had we asked what God's will was for us. Instead, we had been telling him what it ought to be. No man we saw could believe in God and defy him too. Belief meant reliance, not defiance. So it's a famous line. Um, now let's take the guy full of faith. You know, there's next this last guy. He's full of faith, but he's still drinking. He's devout, and, and he's sure he believes in God. Um, but he doesn't know if God believes in him. But he's, he, he just figures, you know, he's going to do all of his religious stuff, right? But he's still drinking. Um, and the answer has to do on page 32 with the quality of faith rather than its quantity. And this had been our blind spot. We supposed we had humility when really we didn't have that. Um, um, let's say we had not prayed rightly. We had always said, grant me my wishes, bottom of page 32, grant me my wishes instead of thy will be done. Um, few indeed are the practicing alcoholics who have any idea how irrational they are or seeing their rationality can bear to face it. Some will be willing to turn themselves, turn themselves problem drinkers, but cannot endure the suggestion. They are in fact mentally ill. Um, they are, um, abetted in this blindness by a world which does not understand the difference between drink, um, sane drinking and alcoholism. So, so, um, it's just the idea that they can't bear to face themselves. And that's how hard it is to do this work. The last end of step two, therefore, step two is the rallying point for all of us, whether agnostic, atheist, or former believer, we can stand together on this step. True humility and an open mind can lead us to faith, and every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore us to sanity if we rightly relate ourselves to him. And if we go now to the step two prayer, um, which is, God, I'm standing at the turning point right now. Give me your protection and care as I abandon myself to you and give up my old ways and my old ideas just for today. <clears throat> That's on page 59 of the big book. Okay, we go into step three. One second, please. Pausing for a moment. Okay, we're going on to step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I'm going to read the first part. Practicing step three is like the opening of a door, which to all appearances is still closed and locked. All we need is a key and the decision to swing the door open. There is only one key, and it is called willingness. Once unlocked by willingness, the door opens almost of itself, and looking through it, we shall see a pathway beside which is an inscription. It reads, this is the way to a faith that works. In the first two steps, we were engaged in reflection. We saw that we were powerless over alcohol, but we also perceived that faith of some kind, if only in AA itself, is possible to anyone. These conclusions did not require action. They only required, they required only acceptance. Um, now we're getting into action. So the remaining step, step three, calls for affirmative action. For it is only by action that we can cut away the self-will that has always blocked the entry of God, or if you like, a higher power into our lives. We learn faith alone can avail nothing. Um, and the entire, it, it's um, step three is, is um, let me just over here. Oh, it's page 35. Once we've placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. I think that is such a big uh, part of program, for myself anyway, is there's a lot of references in the 12 and 12 that, you know, we might be in this place, but we can always, you know, work on it and continually, you know, grow in it. And that's just what we do. You know, it's not, it doesn't say like, okay, you did step three, you're done. You know, it says like, um, we find that we can always open it some more. Um, you know, this is how I was sponsored. Um, 
my sponsor, when she took me through the steps, and I also use a 12 and 12 in my, in my sponsoring is, is to say, Oh, it sounds like your willingness, you know, is, um, is an issue right now. Go back and read step three in the 12 and 12, you know, and that's, that's what we'll do. Um, so let's see every, and also without even realizing you know, what we did here is that on page 35, every man and woman who has joined AA and intends to stick has, without realizing it, made a beginning on step three. So um, let's see here. And also page 36, the more we become willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. Therefore, dependence, as AA practices it, is really a means of gaining true independence of the spirit. That means you know, not being codependent on, on, on other things, realizing what dependency is. Um, it brings in those, those uh, examples of power, electricity, the man with the iron lung. Um, and then let's see here. I'm just going to go, go to the bottom. Okay, to page 37 on the bottom. Each of us, I'm, and I am skipping over so many precious gems of treasure, but okay. Bottom of page 37. Each of us has had his own near-fatal encounter with a juggernaut of self-will and has suffered enough under its weight to be willing to look for something better. So it is by circumstance rather than by any virtue that we've been driven to AA, have admitted defeat, have acquired the rudiments of faith, and now want to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a higher power. Um, and, um, and then it gives an example, you know, in World War II of soldiers who had fought and, and their willingness to remain sober. So they're, he's, they're telling us that, you know, in, in any, he's telling us that in any circumstance, a person can remain willing and can remain sober. And I, I'll never forget, there was a, a road trip, and I'm not even sure what year it was, but the fact that there were no cell phones and I had only... Um, the only thing I could listen to was who was that guy? Art Bell, if anybody remembers this guy. And he was on the radio, right? Because we didn't have any like iPod things. There was a time when people actually spoke to each other in cars or you were looking at the scenery outside the window rather than the thing on your iPhone. So it was maybe like two or three o'clock in the morning and we were on a road trip and I had packed and I was driving, everybody was sleeping and I had packed some stuff in the back seat right behind my seat. And I, and all of a sudden, and I, and here I was, I was, I was abstinent. This was years ago, a long time ago, as dated from the uh, technology that I mentioned. And I'm sitting in the car and listening to Art Bell tell me that, you know, we, we do have alien beings around us. I'm just fascinated by his, what he's saying. And it's like three in the morning. Um, and um, all of a sudden, I'm thinking of food. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm not amazed at that, but I'm just thinking like, oh, wow, I have stuff right. If I just reach right behind, I could have this food. And the reason why I could justify it because I was still awake at 3 a.m. Like I had this whole way to like manipulate and justify why I could eat these things that were clearly not, not good for me, not on my food plan and not whatever. And I want to tell you that it was the, um, the only way I became willing not to touch that food was because I thought of my home group. I, the faces of each person in my home group came to my mind and I realized how much strength um and how much you know yeah i guess strength and fellowship and love and and every devotion to this program that i got from other people and i realized like i, I can't do this i don't I, I don't i don't you know their strength was helping me at that time their strength was helping me to be willing and at that time um amazingly enough it just passed right and all of a sudden i didn't want it anymore which was which was that miracle so it's being willing in any circumstance he's telling us even in the war um, fighting soldiers on the battlefield. And we're all doing this on a battlefield. Believe me, I, I understand that. Um, but even they stayed, stayed sober. 
Um, and then we're getting into, um, let's see, I'm going to try to, I see the time. Okay, so let's see, I'm going to skip, okay, go to page, the bottom page 40, towards the end of step three. It is when we try to make our will conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation, and here are the italics, guys. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention for us. That was all in bold. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of A's 12 steps and step three opens the door. Once we have come into agreement with these ideas, it is really is really easy to begin the practice of step three. In all times of emotional disturbance, we can pause and ask for quiet and in the stillness simply say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. And we can go to step three, and I think this is more popular than other, other prayers, but we could say it together now. Um, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Um, And on page 59, God, take my will and my life. Guide me in my recovery and show me how to live. I mean, and I want to just say step three for me, this third step prayer um, I, I realize here that I'm becoming useful, that God is, that I'm here to do service. You know, that's really why I'm here, why I exist. And, um, and I offer myself to God, you know, to, 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 you know, I offer myself to be used for, um, service and, and for God's will. And I, I say, re- relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. I don't want to be so caught up in me. I want to know what your will is. Um, take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness. What does this mean? Take away my, my difficulties. It doesn't mean, Oh, please, you know, make that situation better. Although that would be wonderful if the situation could be better. My main difficulty is that I have an acceptance problem and it's who do I become when I don't get my way. So my main difficulty isn't the problem itself. It's my acceptance of whatever's going on. So if God can take away my difficulty, which is my acceptance about what's happening, and I'm talking about small and big stuff, that victory over this, my acceptance and my true acceptance, I don't mean like a fake thing, but, you know, something where I've really worked on that, yes, I can accept this as God's will. Um, If I go through a challenge in a way that's authentic and that's in a way of acceptance that that I could be, suddenly I'm put into a position where I can be useful. So it can bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love and your way of life. Meaning when I go through that challenge and I don't pick up and I'm actually in life and I'm in it aligned with the stream of life. And I am, you know, I, the victory that I have is that I did not indulge in my addictions and people are watching me overcome this challenge or your know, friends or whatever, who it is, whoever it is. And suddenly I can be actually in service to someone else to help them get through similar things. Um, and then we move on to step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Um, I feel like we should pause for a moment, but I'm not going to do that another time, but okay. So step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. First sentence is, creation gave us instincts for a purpose. Without them, we wouldn't be complete human beings. Oh, oh, okay, fine. These instincts I have, they're not a mistake. They're actually, 
like, you know, a tree, you know, they're, they're actually meant to be here. And, um, they're meant to challenge me. I didn't realize this before. Oh, um, you know, sometimes here, here we go on the bottom of, um, uh, let me see on the, uh, towards the bottom on page 42, when thus out of joint man's natural desires can cause him great trouble. Anytime these desires get out of alignment, we're going to read that in a moment. That's, that's when all the troubles start. Step four at the bottom of page 42 is our vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what these liabilities in each of us have been and are. We want to find out exactly how, when, and where our natural desires have worked us. Later on, without a willing and persistent effort to do this, there can be little sobriety or contentment without a searching and fearless moral inventory. Most of us have found that the faith with which really works in daily living is still out of reach. All of you who are standing at step four today, and you're standing with fear, fearful inventory. Um, I just want to tell you, I've been there before. My step fours in the past, I've, I know that um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but even starting, you know, standing at the point of doing a step, doing step four, I understand why, um, why people are skittish. I know I was kind of, you know, wondering, afraid of what it would be. And yet the fact that I did have a sponsor and I do have support in this process was so helpful. And, um, and over the years, I've done more than one. So I don't think there's anything to, to um, be afraid of in terms of, well, what if I miss something or what if this or what if that? I find that, you know, with I, what I used to do with my inventories was the same exact thing I would do with my food, which was, uh, well, I can't get absent today because really I should be a vegan or should I like go dairy free? I'm not really sure. Like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? So I'll decide and six months go by and I'm just binging my way through and I'm just using the time you know, just for an excuse still to eat. That's pretty much why I'm guessing my food plans is, is because I just want to keep eating. I really don't want to do this, this process because right? I'm so afraid of it, which is understandable. Step four for me was similar, which was, well, how should I do this step four? Should it be, and of course, I'm listening to my sponsor, but I'm hearing other people too doing it their way. And one sponsor gave me like, I don't know, 96 uh, questions that took me, I mean, more than that, it, they, they evolved into hundreds of questions that took about a year. And that was great. You know, just to sit there marinating in my fourth step was really not a good idea. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's not about doing it right. This whole process is not about doing it right. It's just about doing it, doing it. And, um, and then on the top of page 44, um, you know, we, you know, it goes on to tell us whenever a human being becomes a battleground for the instincts, there can be no peace. So the fact isn't to get rid of, you know, we're not going to, we have our instincts within us. The fact is they need to just be aligned. And this is the process that can do it. Um, 44, the perverse soul sickness is on the bottom is not pleasant to look on. Instincts on rampage balk at investigation. The minute we make a serious attempt to probe them, we are liable to suffer severe reactions. And like I said before, um, the more reaction I have regarding a certain thing is the more need I have to look into it. Um, and once again, Bill does us such a favor, this beautiful way of making a cross section for the different experiences, the different types of people that can, you know, that can, um, you know, up, up, at this point, you know, people that can emerge, right? So if someone has um, a depressive side, they could be, become guilt and self-loathing. They could take this whole thing into guilt and self-loathing. Um, now, in the big book, we do learn on step four 
that we have to be careful of morbid reflection. And that line has really saved, I think that's probably the anchor of my entire recovery, is I cannot get caught up in anything really, but morbid reflection for sure. So if I'm temporarily on the depressive side, we're apt apt to be swamped with guilt and um, self-loathing. Later on, if our natural disposition is inclined to self-righteousness or grandiosity, our reaction will be just the opposite. Um, We'll be offended at AA's suggested inventory. Towards the bottom, we also clutch at another wonderful excuse for avoiding an inventory. And that's all this is. These are all excuses. And I really compassionately encourage anyone that's afraid of this process just to say, like, could it be that you're just making excuses because what you need to look at is just so hard? And again, this isn't about doing like a psychological inventory. It's just about cleaning house. Um, We also clutch at another wonderful excuse for avoiding an inventory. Our present anxieties and troubles we cry are caused by the behavior of other people. Those people need the inventory, not me. You know, um, the serenity prayer is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the people I cannot change, the courage I, to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know it's my husband, right? That's, that's pretty much the, the serenity prayer we want. some of us may have lived in, right? So the point is that here, these are all excuses not to look at what we need to look at. And why, what's the point of me doing this inventory? Because if I don't do this, I will die. I will die from some addiction. If it's not food addiction, it'll be alcohol. I'll find something else. I guarantee you this is a life or death process. I want to just say the gravity of this work. I I hold both things. I hold the joy of it. I hold the love of it. And I hold the desperation of it because I know, I know that it can take me into these dark places if I go there by myself. So um, page 46, our sponsors come to the rescue. How do they come to the rescue? Because they've been there before. Again, we, we remember we were reminded the entire time so far that people who have been there before are there to help us. Um, let's see um, here. And the sponsors, we, why do we need a sponsor? Um, some people think that they don't need any inventory towards the bottom of page 46. If they don't need an inventory. Um, but they're driven by pride or self uh, or, or of self unconsciously blind themselves. Okay, I'm gonna read this again. People who are driven by pride of self of self unconsciously blind themselves to their liabilities. These newcomers scarcely need comforting. The problem is to help them discover a chink in the walls their ego has built through which the light of reason can shine. First off, they can hold that the majority of AA members have suffered severely from self justification during their drinking days. Um, Page 47, we thought conditions drove us to drink, and we were tried to correct these conditions and found that we couldn't, to our entire satisfaction, our drinking went out of hand and we became alcoholics, and it never occurred to us that we needed to change ourselves to meet conditions, whatever they were. So again, back to step three, right, where, where I was saying, like, it's about accepting these conditions rather than trying to change them all, and believe me, I, I still do. I still want things changed or try to change them, but the difference today is I can pause and I can notice and I can see and I can even make mistakes but it's so different for me today um 47 got the word big shot ism I love how don't you love how Bill makes up these words big shot ism but we had to see that every time we played the big shot we turned people against us we had to see that when we harbored grudges and planned revenge for such defeats we were really beating ourselves with a club of anger we had intended to use on others I remember um, having like an argument with my husband years ago, like, I don't know if we're married for 30 years now. So it's like decades ago. And he found me in the kitchen eating and he's like, I don't understand. You're mad at me and you're eating. And I was like, yes, it makes total, total, uh, logic to me. Right. But that's what it's, it's, it's telling us. It's this thing of self-destruction. You know, we're beating ourselves with a club of anger that we wanted to use on someone else. 
to see how this is um, following page 47 to, um, on the bottom, to see how erratic emotions victimized us often took a long time. We could perceive them quickly in others, but only slowly in ourselves. Again, to see how erratic emotions victimize us, victimize us often took a long time. We, we could perceive them quickly in others, but only slowly in ourselves. This is a lifetime process. When they say it took us a long time, I'm still learning about these erratic emotions in myself. I'm still learning. I can still see them in others and not and only slowly in myself. Um, we need to drop the word blame from our speech and thought. And, um, and uh, there is the word, trust me, he does make up the word big shot ism, but I don't know where, I don't know where it is anymore. Okay, um, here we go. On page 48, human beings are never quite alike. So each of us, when making an inventory, will need to determine what his individual character defects are. Having found the shoes that fit, he ought to step into them and walk with new confidence. He is at least on the right track. So again, this is again a sort of like a, a revelation that this is a personal process. You know, while, while we're doing our step four, my step four, you know, with my sponsor, and she's giving me these these um, guidelines of how to do it because I I'm placed my trust in her right. So she's giving me the guidelines. So I have to know that it. It, my, I need to know what my individual defects are. But this is this is an individual process. Um, let's see. On page 48, here we go. For pride, leaving to self-justification and always spurred by conscious or unconscious fears, is the basic breeder of most human difficulties. The chief block to true progress. We've got for pride, leading to self-justification and always spurred by conscious or unconscious fears is the basic breeder of most human difficulties, the chief block to true progress. So um, this is, I, I know for myself that I, I recently, like about a year ago, realized I just saw my arrogance everywhere. I just saw it, you know, festering in places. And I, I realized that this, this is a chief um, thing that I, I do work on, um, you know, along with you know, that I feel like it's under the resentments and, um, okay, continuing step four, I just want to go to page 15 and 51. It gives questions there. If you do not have a step four um, guideline, here's one, you know, there's questions in here on page to go to page 52, um, page 53, but it is from our twisted relations with family, friends, and society at large that many of us have suffered the most. We have been especially stupid and stubborn about them. The primary fact that we fail to recognize is our total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. Our egomania digs two disastrous pitfalls. Either we insist upon dominating the people we know or we depend upon them far too much. Um, so we're just, you know, encouraged to look at our relationships, of course, and, and, um, and the fact that, you know, have we ever had a true partnership with another human being? I don't think I did when I, until I came into these rooms. And I know for sure until I started practicing the steps and the traditions. The traditions really taught me so much about um, respect and guidelines and rules and following, you know, um, kind of like just being part of the herd, you know. Um, okay, page 53, always we try to st struggle to the top of the heap or hide underneath it. This self-centered behavior blocked a partnership relation with any one of those about us. Um, so I have to remember that I'm either trying to be on top or underneath, but there is a place in the middle. End of step four, um, page 54. Therefore, thoroughness ought to be the watchword when taking inventory. In this connection, it is wise to write out our questions. In this connection, it is wise, oh, I'm sorry. In this connection, it is wise to write out our questions and answers. It will be an aid to clear thinking and honest appraisal. 
it will be the first tangible evidence of our complete willingness to move forward because so much action was taken here. So at step four, um, um, let's see, the prayers in step four is, I was to sit, page 13, I was to sit, um, let's see, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. Um, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what we to have us be. Um, okay, I'm going to skip the other ones just for time. Step five, um, admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. All of AA's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to make than step five. Than five, But scarcely any step is more necessary to long-time sobriety and peace of mind to this one. Um, this, this idea of going to another person is so important and such a crucial tool in our process, in, in my process, um, I know for sure, that the ability to, you know, go to someone else, my sponsor, it starts with my sponsor, right? But from there, I learn that I can go human to human, face to face. Um, we cannot live alone. And there is that searchlight that we have to sweep back and forth over um, over our experiences that we did in step four, we swept that light over everybody, everything. And, um, and we realized that we need to quit living the way we were. And we need to talk to somebody about ourselves. And now step five um, goes into, on the bottom of page 56, um, you could read that, that's the paragraph, the bottom paragraph on page 56. I won't read it, I'll just say that. Um, the st step five here talks about, and I'm doing this for time, I see we're running a little bit out of time, but just want to say that in step five, um, it mentions the idea of, um, you know, throughout the centuries, the, the idea of confession, the idea of going to somebody and like talking about what you've done. It's been, you know, a spiritual practice. But, you know, there, and people say, well, it's okay because, and I know I did this. I mean, did anyone, I mean, besides trying to sponsor myself, which went really well, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I was uh, early, early in my recovery. Um, early in my, very early on, I had a sponsor and, um, and I went to a wedding and I committed a vodka and orange juice as a fruit and two of them, cause he only had a half a cup of orange juice in one cup. So I needed two of those. And she's like, that was your fruit. And like, that's how I would sponsor myself. I think I'd make a really fun sponsor in that way. Right. Like, like that's not a fruit. She's like, well, what about the vodka? I was like, ah, it's water. What is it? Like, it's just water. So this is this is what it what how how life go you know I I've seen evidence of what of how you know life on my terms you know so the idea of like and, uh, the other thing I used to do is like oh well God will be my sponsor like why can't God just be my sponsor He knows what I've done like you know He knows everything and I'll commit my food to God you know like all that There's something about and it sounds counterintuitive but there certainly is something about um, looking a person in the eye. <laughs> And, and admitting something rather than sitting in a, you know, private place, you know, think, saying like, oh, well, God knows, so that's okay, you know. So um, until I'm actually able to, you know, say it to another person, that's actually God working in my life. The ability to, you know, that I can trust, that I have somebody there who will listen, who's been through it before. Um, uh, seem, uh, on the top of page 57, it seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing to try this. In other words, we're blocking God. If we think 
we're connecting with God by just sitting there and having him, you know, as our sponsor, as my sponsor, um, that's not going to work. Um, and um, we also get rid of the terrible isolation because we, you know, it says almost without exception, alcoholics are tortured by loneliness. And this is like a mysterious barrier. So um, I'm just going to, you know, and also we, we also learn humility, humility. There's a difference between the humiliating experiences we had in our binges. And I know I had plenty than the idea of going to someone and saying, hi, this, it's me and I, I need help. And this is, you know, how, what I need to do and talk to my sponsor about it giving my sponsor my step four and, um, and as I move on, you know, continuing that process. Um, we rationalize things. That's what step five is telling us. And I might even only reveal a part of it. And in step five, this is a big, um, a, a big, you know, handicap in step five is, is not realizing that um, the more I, you know, my step four needs to be thorough as much as I can. But, I, but my step five does too. I need to be able to say over my step four, whether to my sponsor or to a professional, somebody needs to hear all of me because this is how I'm going to, you know, clean house the most. And, and I know that in my past times of doing step four, I have held back. And in those times, I actually sabotaged my next phase of absence because I did not fully look at those other things. So in order for me to stay sober, I need to really be open to looking at all of those things in my step four. And, and that's a foundation in and of, of itself. And at the end of step five, which is page 62, here's what, what he promises us. Let's buckle in and listen to this one. This feeling of being at one with God and man, this emerging from isolation through the open and honest sharing of our terrible burden of guilt brings us to a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following step toward a full and meaningful sobriety. So we go on to step six and um, except, uh, we are, we're entirely ready. I'm going to skip the prayers because I see the time is um, we're running out of time. I believe, um, you know, Melanie, can you just tell me how much time we have left? Just. Well, typically it's uh, about an hour to an hour and a half or something like that, but whatever, whatever you need. That would be okay. Good. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, to go with typically in hours, but it looks like you have some more good stuff to go. So. Okay. Okay. Not great. To um, Not to worry. One, okay. Super. One second, please. Okay. Okay. I'm back. Um, all right. So this is the step. Oh, you know what? In that case, I will say, I will say the step five prayer then. If I do see, we have a little bit of time. Um, okay. Let's start our step five app. app. Okay. Okay. Here we are at step five. God, I thank you from the bottom of my heart that I know you better. Help me become aware of anything I have omitted discussing with another person. Help me do what is necessary to walk a free man at last. Ah, oh, what a feeling, right? I remember sitting in a in a um, a meeting and somebody shared that she was able to go anywhere on earth without having to duck behind an alleyway to avoid somebody. And I was just looking at her like, wow. <laughs> That's an amazing way to live. And um, that gave me the promise and the hope of step five. It wasn't some ethereal thing that was out there. It was in the eyes of my other 
fellow OA member. Um, so step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So this is the step that separates the men from the boys. Um, bottom on page 63, sure, I was beaten, absolutely licked. My own willpower just wouldn't work on alcohol. Change of scene, the best efforts of family, friends, doctors, and clergymen got no place with my alcoholism. I simply couldn't stop drinking, and no human being could seem to do the job for me. But when I became willing to clean house and then asked a higher power, God, as I understood him, to give me release, my obsession to drink vanished. It was lifted right out of me. Can you imagine this? I was sitting there like I know for me, you know, with the donor crumbs on my chin, right, um, perpetually on my chin. You're telling me that the obsession, obsession could just vanish? I will tell you this. I'm speaking as me today, that right now I have no there's no part of me. I do not feel drawn at all to Costco chocolate or cookie. I don't. Um, I thought my blood type was Reese's peanut butter cups. I will tell you in this moment, I don't, there's not one cell. I don't feel a cell in me that wants that right now for today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I do not know. I don't have any guarantees for tomorrow. The same stuff I did this morning, my morning practice and all that. I need to do it again tomorrow so that I can get the same results, hopefully, right? Um, but for right now, it has vanished. I do not want that in my life. And I think that alone is a, is a big miracle. So, um, so it, this, this is something, this is showing me, it's not just my willpower that's doing this. This is a, a transformative process that's working in my life, that's pulsating in my recovery um, as a result of my of connecting to my higher power on a moment-to-moment basis as much as I can. Um, so on six, page 64, if, if people are still not believing this is happening, uh, top of page 64 tells us in AA meetings all over the world, statements just like this are heard daily. It is plain for everybody to see that each sober AA member has been granted a release from this very obstinate and potentially fatal obsession so in a very complete and literal, literal way, all AAs have become entirely ready to have God remove the mania for alcohol from their lives, and God has proceeded to do just that. So we've already seen what happens. We've seen that this can take place, that God can remove this obsession. This can happen. Um, so uh, bottom towards the bottom of 64, we, we are middle to the bottom, we learn that um, – the idea of binging, of shoving so much food into my mouth, or just, you know, and that's another thing. It took me such a long time. To, I mean, if everybody could just do this now, like, like, look at your hand, like, just open your hand and take a look at your fingers and your arm and the miracle of that hand, you know, opening in and out like that hand, if you're right handed or your left, whichever hand you're, you're most dominant, that most feeds your mouth, <laughs> take a look at your hand, meet your hand. I remember the day I met my hand, I was like, oh, I actually control this. Like, I can say whether or not this hand should go into my mouth right now. If I have enough mindfulness and presence, I can decide what this hand is going to do. So, so for me, it was like, it was, it was, it was part of that process, but realizing that it wasn't natural for me to take my hand and be shoving food into my mouth and reaching for things that I wouldn't put into anyone else's mouth, right? Only my own. Um, and this is something that's complete self-destruction is not a normal instinct. So, so, um, so our instincts are meant to keep us alive. And, and the, the way that we 
um, we do this is by aligning our instincts or working hard, you know, as process every day to align these instincts with God. And also the idea in step six, we know where we're becoming entirely willing to God, remove everything. Is that even possible? On the pop top is page 65. It's nowhere ever evident, at least in this life, that our creator expects, expects, expects us fully to eliminate our instinctual drive. So far as we know, it's nowhere on the record that God has completely removed from any human being all of his natural drive. So we don't have to, you know, I don't have to bash myself. If I'm walking by, you know, I go to like an event or something and food is there and I say, oh, wow, that looks really good. I don't have to think to myself, oh, it's not removed. <laughs> oh, no, I could think, right, I think it looks good because I am a compulsive over it. I'm a food, you know, this is what I do. You know, I, food is, food is something that I, I have struggled with in the past. Food is the thing that I have to watch for. And yeah, it would make sense that I would see that food there and, and have a thought about it. Um, but that's all it, all it becomes. Um, it ends there. Most of the time, I don't notice it at all. So step six um, on page 65, um, let's see. Um, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character is AA's way of stating the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. This does not mean that we expect all our character defects to be lifted out of us as the drive to drink was. A few of them may be, but with most of them, we shall have to be content with patient improvement. The, the keywords entirely ready underline the fact that we want to aim at the very best we know or can learn. Do you hear? These are such, this is gorgeous. These are beautiful words. Um, you know, we have to be content with patient improvement. This is a, a, a slow process. I once heard someone say, so they, they, somebody had told them they wish them a very slow and painful recovery, <laughs> you know, it, because it's, it's, that's it's it's work and um and we have to just keep doing it that's really the main thing um and you know what where does this readiness you know how do we know that we're, we're really ready the truth is later on on page 66 to 67 we're talking about how we kind of like our defects we kind of like being superior right we kind of like you know you know if and they're talking about gluttony can you imagine they're talking about you know food um, here as well, you know, the idea that, you know, everybody does this or, you know, the procrastination, um, all these things that we can do that we kind of like don't want to stop doing, but rather than, you know, um, here by page 68, many, many will once at once ask, how can we accept the entire implication of step six? Why that is perfection. This sounds like a hard question, but practically speaking, it isn't. Only step one, where we made a 100% admission we were powerless over alcohol, can be practiced with an absolute perfection. The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideals. They are goals toward which we look and the measuring sticks by which we estimate our progress. Seen in this light, step six is still difficult, but not at all impossible. The only urgent thing is that we make a beginning and keep trying. So um, we, we raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. It seldom will matter how haltingly we walk. The only question is, are we ready? So we'll end of step six. Let's dispose of what appears to be a hazardous open end we have left. It is suggested that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. We note that some delay, however, might be pardoned. That word in the mind of a rationalizing alcoholic could certainly be given a long-term meaning. He could say, how very easy. Sure, I'll head toward perfection, but I'm certainly not going to hurry any. Maybe I can postpone dealing with some of my problems indefinitely. Of course, this won't do. Such a bluffing of oneself will have to go the way of many another pleasant rationalization. At the very least, 
We shall have to come to grips with some of our worst character defects and take action toward their removal as quickly as we can. The moment we say, no, never, our minds close against the grace of God. Delay is dangerous and rebellion may be fatal. This is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move toward God's will for us. So then we come to, um, we're ready to take on to do step seven, um, going to step six prayer. God, help me be willing to let go of all the things to which I still cling. Help me to be ready to let you remove all these defects and that your will and purpose may take their place on main. That's from page 76 in the big book. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. So um, it says, indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. For without some degree of humility, no alcohol can stay sober at all. So we're not talking about humiliation. We're talking about being humble. Um, and also, you know, how this is, this is um, the idea of humility in a world where people, you know, want a, more, more materialism or want more that looking, looking towards that, you know, those, those instincts to make them feel better. Um, it says, instead of regarding the satisfaction of our material desires as the means by which we could live and function as human beings, we had taken these satisfactions to be the final end and aim of life. Um, that was on page 71. Okay. So 72, seldom did we look at character building as something desirable in itself, something we would like to strive for, whether our instinctual needs are met or not. We never thought of making honesty, tolerance, and true love of man and God, the basis of daily living. Um, as long as we placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question. That basic ingredient of all humility, all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will was missing. Um, so we see here on page 73 that humility is a necessity and it's the barest beginning. Um, and you know, by, at this point, you know, many of us, you know, are done, you know, it's like we alcohol, you know, we're finished and we think, oh, that's done forever. And we've, you know, we, we see our step four, we did that work, but here where we're, it says on page 73, goaded by sheer necessity, we reluctantly come to grips with those serious character flaws that made problem drinkers of us in the first place, flaws which must be dealt with to prevent a retreat into alcoholism once again. And again, bottom of page 73, what do we do? We draw from AA experience and um, that we surely, surely must try with a will or else fall by the wayside. We are obliged to choose between the pains of trying and the certain penalties of failing to do so. Um, so I'm just kind of skipping over a lot of beautiful gems. <laughs> okay, so the, page 75, the notion that we would still live our own lives, God helping a little now and then began to evaporate. And we became really, um, uh, we became willing to look harder at this. At the bottom of page 75, a great turning point in our lives came when we sought for humility as something we really wanted rather than something we must have. It marked a time when we could commence to see the full implication of step seven, humbly ask them to remove our shortcomings. If we go to the end of step seven here, um, well, in the middle of 76, as the chief, chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear, primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded. Um, Okay, no peace was to be had unless we could find a means of reducing these demands. The difference between a demand and a simple request is plain to anyone. 
This, this is the end of step six, seven. The seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude, which permits us with humility as our guide to move out of, from ourselves toward others and toward God. The whole emphasis of step seven is on humility. It is really saying to us that we now ought to be willing to try humility in seeking the removal of our other shortcomings, just as we did when we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If that degree of humility could enable us to find the grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, then there must be hope of the same result respecting any other problem we could possibly have. And at this point, we say, we go into saying the seven-step prayer, um, which I just want to see what they have in the app. Okay, they have two. Um, but page, page, um, page, we've got one on page 13. And on page 76 in the big book, I'm going to read the 176, the classic one. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defective character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Okay, step eight. It's the beginning of the end of isolation, right, from our fellows and from God made a list of all persons we had harmed and made, became willing to make amends to them all. Steps eight and nine are concerned with personal relations. First, we take a look backward and try to discover where we had been at fault. Next, we make a vigorous attempt to repair the damage we have done. And third, having thus cleaned away the debris of the past, we consider how with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. This is a very, also a characteristic of the A12 and 12, where Bill W. will kind of sum up, you know, what, what's happened so far, and that's very helpful as well. Um, page 77, every AA has found that he can make little headway in this new adventure of living until he first backtracks and really makes an accurate and unsparing survey of the human records he has left in his wake. So for my, in my, the way I was sponsored was in step four, um, I had, I had actually started at step eight column and I could see there who I needed to make my amends to. Um, and so that it helped me in this step eight process. Um, and okay, let me, as, you know, is, it, we're, I'm, I'm kind of like kind of going through step eight. Um, okay, we got a pretty, bottom of page 78, we got a pretty severe shock when we realized that we were preparing to make a face-to-face -face admission of our wretched conduct to those we had hurt. It had been embarrassing enough when in confidence we'd admitted these things to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, but the prospect of actually visiting or even writing these people the people concerned now overwhelmed us, especially when we remembered in what poor favor we stood with most of them. So, you know, this is, these are, then there's, there's this, um, the, the uh, ego, you know, we, we, we feel like, oh, well, it didn't hurt anybody. You know, they didn't suffer. Um, things aren't really that bad. Do I really need to do this? And, um, and here, you know, the idea is that we have to make this ex uh, bottom of 79 an accurate and really exhaustive survey of our past life as it affected other people um, very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging, um, damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. And at the time of these occurrences, they may actually have given our emotions violent twists, which have since discolored our personalities and altered our lives for the worse. While the purpose of making restitution to others is paramount, it is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and our fundamental difficulties that we can. So here it's you know, why are we doing this? We're not, it's not just that, oh, you know, to make things right with other people that, you know, we're, we're doing it to make things right with other people, but also because 
we need to, you know, have a relief from these emotional twists that are in our minds that that's the reason I ate because of those things. Um, later on, it, it also talks about page 80 to 81, um, coming towards the end, it talks about, um, you know, what kind of harm, what kinds of harms we had done, what behaviors, you know, it, it encourages us to take a look at our behaviors and it gives like, you know, examples here of how we were callous or um, how we harmed other people. And then surveying it all, um, we need, we need to, to decide what personality traits um, injured or disturbed others. And um, here we see, to put a finger on the nearby and most deeply damaged ones shouldn't be hard to do. Then as year by year, we walk back through our lives as far as memory will reach, we shall be bound to construct a long list of people. Um, and okay, I'm going to finish the, this is the end of step eight. We should, of course, ponder and weigh each instance carefully. We shall want to hold ourselves to the course of admitting the things we have done. Meanwhile, forgiving the wrongs done us, real or fancied, we should avoid extreme judgments, both of ourselves and of others involved. We must not exaggerate our defects or theirs. A quiet, objective view will be our steadfast aim. Whenever our pencil falters, we can fortify and cheer ourselves by remembering what AA experience in this step has meant to others. It is the beginning of the end of isolation from our fellows and from God. Um, so again, we're drawing on others. This is not a program we're supposed to do by ourselves. This is something that a program we're supposed to continuously be reaching out for. Step eight prayer. Um, God, help me to become willing to sweep away the debris of self-will and self-reliant living. Thy will be done for this person as well for me. Amen. We come to step nine. May direct amends with such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are the qualities we still need when we take step nine. So he splits up the idea of amends into several classes. Um, and this is uh, also, we're being told that this is how we um, guarantee our sobriety. Um, you know, the, um, we, well, we, have to, we have to know that um, there's those people that we can make amends to that will keep our sobriety. Let's put it like that. So we'll be able to maintain it. Like if I approach this person, I know I'll be able to maintain my, this, my sobriety. Others that maybe I don't know if I can maintain it. So he, so that are harder for me, you know, to do. So here um, we're being told that it's okay, <laughs> that we don't have to do everything overnight, um, that um, action, you know, sometimes should be deferred, you know, and also we go to our sponsors, we go to get advice on what can be done right away and what, and, and later pages tell us, I'm just summing up a little bit what it says in step nine, is that there's going to be instances where it might be easier to make some amends. And the, the truth is those amends that are actually easier, um, once we do them, you know, once I did them, I, I know that I, I saw that it was easier to make the others. So even though I had said that there were some that I would do now and some I'll never do, this I got, I'll never do that one. But yet there, later on, I realized that they weren't as bad as I thought. So the practice of doing the easier ones actually made the other ones a little easier. And also the reactions of people being appreciative of it was very, um, was very opening in, to me too. Um, and I just want to say, you know, two things about the amends here um, for myself is I have a sponsor, one of my first sponsors, she was, um, she had bought a raffle ticket for her and her friend. It was two raffle tickets and her friend had given her a dollar and said, buy me one also. So she had bought two. She bought two. 
I also make up my own words. Boughten is a new word. <laughs> okay, so she bought a raffle ticket for her friend. And that friend, um, it turned out that they, she put in the ticket, she put in the raffles, and it was really her friend's ticket that won, but she kept the money because she figured, well, it's two tickets, and it could have been my ticket, so I'm keeping the money. And for years, she kept the money. And in this process, coming into the program, she came to the amends process, and she invited her friend out, and she realized she had to make this amends. She invited her for lunch, and she, she gave her $200. She said, this is yours. She's like, why? She said, well, because we won. But it's really your ticket that won, and I want to give it. Oh, her friend's like, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to. And she did, and it was a clear slate, and a week later that friend died. And it was always a message to me, you know, never to be afraid to do the right thing, never that, that these amends, you know, when they become a little more about me than about just doing the right thing and cleaning house, then I, then I know, you know, I have to get through that and just take the right actions. Um, um, okay, and as soon as we begin to, page 85, as soon as we begin to feel confident in our new way of life and have begun by our behavior and example to convince those about us that we are indeed changing for the better, it is usually safe to talk in complete frankness with those who have been seriously affected, even those who may be only a little are not at all aware of what we have done to them. Um, and we have to understand also, just by our work in this program, that has been an immense to our families as well. That has been an immense to ourselves and to those around us. Um, that, that start, that's how the men's process really started, was coming in here with the, with the desire and the effort um, to become more authentic. Okay, end of step nine. Are we going to be so rigidly righteous about making amends that we don't care what happens to the family and home? Or do we first consult those who are to be gravely affected? Do we lay the matter before our sponsor or spiritual advisor, or earnestly asking God's help and guidance, meanwhile resolving to do the right thing when it becomes clear, cost what it may? Of course, there is no pet answer which can fit all such dilemmas, but all of them do require a complete willingness to make amends as fast and as far as may be possible in a given set of conditions. Above all, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. For the readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of step nine. And we go to the step nine prayer of God. Give me the strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the consequences may be. Help me to consider others and not harm them in any way. Help me to consult with others before I take any actions that would cause me to be sorry. Help me to not repeat such behaviors. Show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love, and help me live this spiritual life. Amen. Okay. Um, I see the time is running out, and I know we're on step 10, 11, and 12. I'm going to just briefly um, go through all three. And I, I did have some stuff on the traditions as well, but you know, all I can say is the traditions are worth taking a look at. I will tell you in the back of the book, by the way, on page one form, but the stories and the traditions um, are really valuable in terms of, you know, just how, the, how everything is structured, but you can find that there as well. Okay, step 10, um, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, properly admitted it. As we work the first nine steps, we prepare, prepare ourselves for the adventure of a new life. But when we approach step 10, we commence to put our AA of way of living to practical use day by day in fair weather or foul. Then comes the acid test. Can we stay sober, keep an emotional balance, and live to good purpose under all conditions? Um, so it mentions here, I mean, there's just so many great nuggets of wisdom here. Um, but um, the bottom line is that my arrogance is the root of most of my stormy emotions. And fear is the root of my arrogance. And I know that, you know, we, we go through situations and, you know, talks about like, you know, well, what if, you know, what if there's, um, 
justifications um, or things that we make, like people upsetting, uh, upsetting me during the day. Um, so there's different levels, right? The, the book here talks about, you know, all inventories on page 89, it mentions all the inventories that we can take, which is like a spot check inventory. How am I doing? I have an alarm on my phone that goes off, kind of like to check in with myself where I'm at. Um, there's the, the deeper inventory that, you know, for others, depending on the situation. But I know for myself in step 10, I will say that, um, that well, here, I have to say this. on page 89, the emphasis on inventory is heavy only because a great many of us have never really acquired the habit of accurate self-appraisal. So the idea here is just to keep keep looking at myself, looking at my motives. I've never really done this before. And, um, and oh, here we have the word big shotism. It's on page 92 for all of those that were looking it up. As an insurance against big shotism, we can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober only by the grace of God and that any success we may be having is far more his success than ours. Um, and, uh, okay, when in doubt, we can always pause by saying, not my will, but thine be done. And, and you know, the idea of, um, I just have to say that with step 10 with me, I know that my step 10 has really evolved. It's changed over the years. Um, I used to pick up step 10 like I picked up food. It was like, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling again. Can I speak to you? Like, <laughs> there's feelings coming up. And I came to really, because I always thought, like, feelings had no place in the spiritual realm type of thing. Like, I thought that that was, but I see now, no, that's actually not true for me, is that, you know, the feelings that come up need to be looked at, validated, whatever it is briefly not marinated in as the fourth step warns me but um just to, to be checked and looked at and and put away like you know inventory um and you know the end of step 10 learning to daily spot admit and correct these flaws is the essence of character building and good living an honest regret for harms done a genuine gratitude for blessings received and a willingness to try for better things tomorrow will be the permanent assets we shall seek Having so considered our day, not admitting to take due note of things well done, and having searched our hearts with neither fear nor favor, we can truly thank God for the blessings we have received and sleep in good conscience. So, um, step 10. So, in step 10, we can, we're doing our inventory throughout the day. We're doing our inventory before we go to sleep. Um, the prayer is, God, remove the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear that has cropped up in my life right now. Help me to discuss this with someone immediately and make amends quickly if I have harmed anyone. Help me to cease fighting anything and anyone. Show me where I may be helpful to someone else and help me react sanely, not cocky or afraid. How can I best serve you? Your, your will, not mine, be done. And then we're on to step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Prayer and meditation are a principal means of conscious contact um, with God. Um, we AAs are active folk, enjoying the satisfactions of dealing with the realities of life, usually for the first time in our lives, and strenuously trying to help the next alcoholic who comes along. So it isn't surprising that we often tend to slight serious meditation and prayer as something not really necessary. To be sure, we feel it is something that might help us to meet in an occasional emergency. So, um, so, you know, I do encourage you to read step 11. There's a lot of um, amazing things in here regarding step 11, but I'll just have to say that um, there is a big encouragement to make up your own prayers. You know, we don't have to only use the ones that are here. Like we could just make up our own prayers. Um, the idea of prayer being my conversation with God and then meditation being God's meditation of God's conversation with me. And the idea of, um, you know, pausing and allowing 
the allowing, you know, God to come into my life and, and anchor my day, I do wake up in the morning and practice this in my day every day. Um, it's interesting, the other, the other share I gave back, um, back that, I think it was 2015, I think, I remember someone asking me on the line there um, about, about my prayer and meditation. And it's interesting because it didn't encourage me to look further into it. And at the time, I was really only following the guidelines in the big book or on the app or whatever. And, um, and now it just looks a lot different. It does, um, I do a lot of very mindful things during the day. Um, I do a lot of centering myself during the day. I think as an addict, I was always looking not to feel anything. And, um, and you know what? I can take med- prayer meditation to the same extreme. I, can, I could easily use it to escape life as well. But um, the idea here is emotional balance. We know Bill tells us we need emotional sobriety. And um, the idea of just stopping and doing this anywhere. Um, I was listening to Jim B., talk about the steps and he was saying how you know a, he, a person at work could just go in the bathroom and and you know just uh sit there and you know just go in there and just you know be connecting you know and and just the idea that you know it's anywhere anytime but i find that like definitely having that morning time helps me throughout my entire day um and also page 101 here it is again meditation is something which can always be further developed so this is, a, this is a constant process, a constant thing. Um, we ask simply, bottom of page 102, we ask simply that throughout the day, God places in the best understanding of his will that we can have for that day and that we be given the grace by which we, we may carry it out. I'm going to just end with um, end step 11, which is perhaps one of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is the sense of belonging that comes to us. We no longer live in a completely hostile world. We are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. The moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will, the moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real and eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seemingly evidence, seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to him, all will be well with us here and thereafter. And um, just finishing up with the 11-step prayer here, over here is um, God well, as we go through the day and pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, God, thy will, not, thy will be done on page 8788. God, I'm agitated and doubtful right now. Help me to stop and remember that I've made a decision to let you be my God. Give me the right thoughts and actions. God, save me from fear, anger, worries, self-pity, or foolish decisions that your will, not mine, be done. All right, here we are, step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step, and action is its key word. Here we turn outward toward our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we are experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. When the 12th step is seen in its full implication, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. Did I read the words love and joy? I feel like if my program, or yours, or whoever, but if my program doesn't have love and joy in it, there's something wrong with my program. There has to be this sense, you know, this this harmony that flows in. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, 
And it says at the bottom of 106, when a man or woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he now has become able to do, feel, and believe that which he could not do before his unaided strength and resources alone. He has been granted a gift with amounts to a new, which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. So he finds later on, he finds himself in a possession of, of a degree of honesty, tolerance, and selfishness, peace of mind, and love of which he had thought himself quite incapable. What he has received is a free gift, and yet usually, at least in some part, he has made himself ready to receive it. And in Bill's classic style of summing up, we're going to read this as part of our ending um, to this presentation, which will be end shortly. Step one showed us an amazing paradox. We found that we were totally unable to be rid of the alcohol obsession until we first admitted that we were powerless over it. In step two, we saw that since we could not restore ourselves to sanity, some higher power must necessarily do so if we were to survive. Consequently, in step three, we returned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. For the time being, we who were atheist or agnostic discovered that our own group or AA as a whole would suffice as a higher power. Beginning with step four, we commenced to search out the things in ourselves which had brought us to physical, moral, and spiritual bankruptcy. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Looking at step five, we decided that an inventory taken alone wouldn't be enough. We knew we would have to quit the deadly business of living alone with our conflicts and in honesty confide these to God and and another human being. At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all our defects of character removed because we still loved some of them too much. Yet we knew we had to make a settlement with the fundamental principle of step six. So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought nevertheless to quit our stubborn rebellious hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. Then in step seven, we humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we asked. In step eight, we continued our house cleaning, for we saw that we were not only in conflict with ourselves, but also with people and situations in the world in which we lived. We had to begin to make our peace, and so we listened to the people we had harmed and became willing to set things right. We followed this up in step nine by making direct amends to those concerned, except when it would injure them or other people. By this time at step 10, we had begun to get a basis for daily living, and we keenly realized that we would need to continue taking personal inventory and that when we were in the wrong, we ought to admit it promptly. In step 11, we saw that if a higher power had restored us to sanity and had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in a sorely troubled world, then such a higher power was worth knowing better by as direct contact as possible. The persistent use of meditation and prayer we found did open the channel so that there had where there had been a trickle, there was now a river which led to sure power and safe guidance from God as we were increasingly better able to understand him. So practicing these steps, we had a spiritual awakening about which finally there was no question. Looking at those who we were only beginning, who, who we were only beginning and still doubted themselves, looking at those who we were only beginning and still doubted themselves, the rest of us were able to see the change setting in. From great numbers of such experiences, we could predict that the doubter who still claimed that he hadn't got the spiritual angle and who still had considered this well-loved AA group, the higher power, would presently love God and call him by name. So um, I would encourage you just to read, you know, step 12, um, page 112, the bottom. Of course, all AAs, even the best, fall, fall short of achievements was a, a consistent thing. Um, things go well. You know, sometimes in step 12, things are going really well. 
we congratulate ourselves on what proved to be far too easy. And, um, you know, we do the two, two steps, you know, step one and step 12. And that's kind of what I was doing in January 2013. But I look at it all as a process. And I'm really, you know, so grateful to be here. And I'm skipping over all these gems in step 12 for the sake of, um, you know, we found freedom from fear was more important than freedom from one. Okay. All right. So I'll just say that um, but the, at the end, I'll end with this. With each passing day of our lives, may every one of us sense more deeply the inner meaning of AA's simple prayer, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I will end with that. Thank you so much, Rachel. This very strong course through Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions this morning. How wonderfully compelling. And I agree, there's just so much more. You know, we could just continue to dig and dig and dig. But thank you for giving us the picture that you did this morning. We're going to have time probably for a few questions this morning. Let's start with about three. So if you have a question for Rachel, please unmute your phone by pressing star one and offer your first name and first letter of your last name. And then right after you've asked your question, just go ahead and press star one again and that will remute the line to make it nice and quiet for the response. So if you have a, a question today, I'd love to take your name. Melissa C. Hi. Hi. L-E-A-S. L-E-A, hi. And one more for now. Tiffany P. Did you say Tiffany? Yes. Hi, thanks. Okay, so let's go with that in the interest of time. Melissa C., L-E-A-S, and Tiffany P. Hey, good morning again, Melissa. Your question, please. Hi, thank you so much, Rachel. That was really powerful and really informative, and I'm glad that it's going to be archived. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at the... Um, the, the AA 12 and 12, and I've kind of used it as more supplemental. And I was just wondering, do you go through it with response? Do you go through it like, you know, line by line, you know, slowly, more comprehensively? Thanks. Hi, Melissa. Good to hear you. Um, yeah, I was sponsored like that. What well, is really five different um, things I use in sponsoring, but for, I mean, literature wise, there's three, um, the big book, Lori C, um, Lori C sheets and the AA 12 and 12. And I do, um, I was, I was taken through it and I continually go through it with another person. Um, and it is something that I, I do use like, I wouldn't say line by line, but like read a, you know, a couple paragraphs at a time and, uh, and, you know, write on it. But I find, you know, just like the big book, the language is so rich, you could really write on every single line. Um, but the answer is yes, do. Thank you, Melissa C., for the question. And let me insert here real quick so folks can be reassured. We will get Rachel W.'s contact information, if she's so willing, after the recording has stopped, so you want to stay around for that. Ali A., it's your question, please. Hi, good morning. Hey, this is Ali Yeh. Thank you so much for your share. I was like, wow, oh my God, what a great uh, event tonight. So I have a question, and it's, uh, it's, con it's concerning the ninth step. So I have a step, which I'm unsure. It's at an employer where I basically went crazy at work, but nobody found out. They always told, like, my job, I did great work. So basically, I would just do it to get it off, like, my chest to clean my conscience. 
what do you think about those steps where it's just basically all about me? Is it good doing them or better not? Thank you. Thank you for the question, Ali. Uh, do you have a sponsor? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. But so I would. Yeah. Well, number one is I would I would say I would say to to defer whatever your sponsor would say, but I do hear the the dilemma of you know doing something so that, so it'll make me feel better rather than uh, you know I I mean I kind of hear that, um, and I think if if that is is part of the equation at the moment, then it sounds like it's probably not the right time to be doing it. Um, and I would also encourage you to, you know, pray about it, you know, to go inward and kind of find your truth about it. Because if there is something that needs to be cleaned up, it just does need to be cleaned up. But so much of amends um, depends on the energy that I, I know the energy that I have in an amends really, you know, the outcome of it really depends on, on is, is where that starts. In other words, my, it starts with my energy. My energy has to be focused and aligned in the right way. And only then will it'll, the cleanup actually occur. And, um, you know, so I, I think that's, those are my thoughts regarding that. I totally hear what you're saying though, because I, I've had some of those as well. I hope that was helpful. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, thank you. I will pray on that, and thank you so much. Thank you, Ali A.S. Tiffany P., your question, please. Hi, my question was already um, asked, so I'm just going to pass. Thank you. Okay, great, thanks. Let's take two more in the interest of time and see where that takes us this morning. If you have a question, press star one, please. Deborah L. Hi, Deborah L. Why don't you go ahead with your question? We'll see what happens next. Hi. Hi. Um, my question is, I've always heard that step three is a decision that we make. I mean, I've been around 12-step programs a long time. It's a decision we make to go on with the rest of the steps. And in the, in the 12 and 12, it says, um, the AA program can be practiced with success only when Step three is given a determined and persistent trial. It makes it seem like it's something you continuously do, and I just wondered your thoughts on that, what that means. Thank you, Deborah, for that question. Um, I think, like, I think it has to do with the fact that, it, you know, we develop, and this is, these are my thoughts about that, is that um, we developed by by step three? We did develop a faith. Um, a faith. I, I developed a faith. A faith in uh, my faith in another, another person helped me to have more faith in God. Um, in my experience, it's like God works through other people. Is the you know people are the conduit, right, to to God's will for me and all that. So so um, I have faith, right. But if I just have faith and it ends there and it's just, I, I make a decision, let's say like I make a decision, right? So really it's, it's, there does have to be some, some sort of action to it, like a willingness. The, the, that's really, I think what step three is talking about is, 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 is making the declaration that I'm ready to do 
to take action. I'm making, I'm putting, I'm ready to put my faith into an action. I'm going to do this. This is not just going to be something I talk about. This is going to be something I actually put into action. So, you know, even though step three, we would say, I hear, you know, like what, what action is like step four, you take out a pen and you write, (laughs) you know, um, and you might have like some kind of like tangible human form of action. Willingness, um, I think willingness, maybe every single step is demonstrated differently as the years go on. I think earlier in recovery, maybe I wasn't sh- so sure what my willingness would look like. For today, I think willingness does look like action because um, willingness is, you know, my, my willingness to, you know, not, you know, let's, let's say to, to go and do something like go to a meet, my willingness to go to a meeting, or my willingness to call somebody my willingness to get out of isolation. My, my willingness is always evidenced through action. Um, faith alone, right? We learn that that's nothing. I mean, can you imagine if we only had 11 steps? I always think about that. Like, what if they're just 11 steps and we're just left sitting on a mountaintop, you know, meditating? <laughs> Would that be nice, you know? Um, but really, it's the action that keeps us alive in this program and in the world. So to me, it's, um, I encourage you, I encourage you to find your own uh, way of making of what the step three would mean to you, you know, um, in that, in this way. And I know for myself, it's just this, it's been a process, but it does require willingness is something that is tangible to me. It demonstrates my faith. Thank you, you, Deborah L for your question. Let's see if we have a go for two more questions. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Lois G. Lois G, why don't you go ahead with your question this morning? We'll see what we can come up after. Okay. Um, Thank you, Rachel. Um, I was wondering, is there any um, group that goes through the 12 and 12, much like we do on Vision going through the big book? Not yet, but I would encourage you if you want to start one. <laughs> you know how you know how you sit in the meeting. I love these meetings where like you know people come up with ideas and it's like okay, so you do it. You know. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I I don't know of one, but um, okay. But how cool would that be? You know. But yeah. 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 All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Another question for Rachel. Hi, I don't know if you can hear me okay. I can't hear this. Thank you. I just want to make a brief comment if I could. Questions only, please. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry about that. You want to phrase the format into a question? It might work that way. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say... And your name, please. I'm sorry. It's Mary Beth B. Um, I had spoke with Rachel back in 2017, and it was just a joy to hear Rachel on the phone this morning as I tuned in and as I hadn't been listening for a while. And I had tried to remember who this person was that I spoke to back in 2017, who was very, very helpful and kind in any questions that I had um, with the vision back those couple of years ago. So like I said, it was a joy to hear that she was doing the share this morning. So thanks, Rachel. I'll let you go. Bye. 
I remember. Would you, you like to respond that. to that question? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I, I remember, Mary Beth, I do remember you. And if you say the show was in 2017, that's wonderful. As I said, I've become a middle-aged woman in this program. So I, my, my memory isn't what it used to be. So um, I do remember you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary Beth. Thank you, Rachel, for that memory. <laughs> Okay, so I think that maybe we're wrapping up. I would offer an invitation for one more person to ask a question if they're, they're out there as the final invitation. Press star one. So I will take that as all minds are clear for this morning anyway and maybe have a chance to perhaps take a look at things as they re-listen to this wonderful presentation. And thanks again, Rachel, for, um, for this morning. And I just want to let folks know that the share ID for today's Sunday special edition, April 28, 2019, is 12,834,12,834. We will close this morning's session with the page of 164, the big book, as we do each closing of our Sunday special editions. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you. 